Thank you for downloading this podcast from Grace Church Manchester. To listen to more or to get involved with church life, visit www.gracechurchmanchester.net. Good morning, my name is Matt. Uh, I've been interning here at Grace Church for the past eight, eight to nine months now. Um, my wife, who is not with me today, she's back in the States. Uh, we've come from the U.S., um, And uh, just thank you to all you guys uh, that are regular at Grace Church that we've gotten to know. Um, You guys have been amazing, and it's been uh, just a true blessing for my wife and I to be here um, and uh, just to meet you guys and just to grow in Christ uh, with you and serve uh, Christ with you as well. Um, With that being said, uh, Mike asked me to speak a couple weeks ago, or three or four weeks ago, and before he could actually think about what he asked me, I jumped on it and said yes. Um, So hopefully... um, Things will work out, and Michael, <laughs> we won't, won't destroy the church. But thank you that it's in Jesus' hands. Um, but yeah. But yeah, today we're going we're gonna to continue on this, this theme that we've picked up in the worship and that what Rich was talking about, what, what um, uh, Liz was just praying about, fulfillment and satisfaction. Fulfillment and satisfaction. We all want it. We all desperately want fulfillment and satisfaction. When we wake up each day, that is the menu in which we want to order off of. Nobody wakes up and go, nobody wakes up and is like, you know, I just hope I have a terrible day. I hope today's just horrible. I hope I'm empty. I hope I'm lifeless. I hope I have nothing. But yet it's funny that we all look to things in this world that leave us in that state. We all look to things like our wives, like our husbands, like our boyfriends, like our girlfriends, like our jobs, like our kids, like a potential circumstance, like that will actually provide true life. We all do it. None of us are immune to it. None of us. When I was um, in university, I played baseball. Um, And I don't know if Colin is here today, and so you probably will look down on me because I played baseball. But I will find favor in Colin's eyes, so I'm good with that. Um, But I played baseball, and I was... I worshiped baseball. Baseball was absolutely everything to me. My days would depend on how my practices went, how my games went. If it was a good practice and a good game, it was a good day. But it was funny looking back. A good practice and a good game only meant to more beer drinking at the end of the night. So to have this good game and to be fully satisfied only meant to go drink more and more and more. But the disciples will eat, and Jesus is resting, and that's about all you would do on the trip to Samaria. We see that it's noontime, it's hot, they've probably been walking about 20 kilometers, they have a 100 kilometer walk ahead of them, if not more, from Manchester to Liverpool, Manchester to Sheffield, somewhere around that distance, that they're walking in, in, the, heat, in the heat of the day. And, and so Jesus is there, they're walking through Samaria, and Jesus is tired, and he sits by this well. And we come to see something incredible about Jesus. He's sitting at this well, and in verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And in verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? Jewish, Jewish. <laughs> Jesus breaks every Jewish custom, cultural custom that you possibly can in this meeting. He's walking through Samaria. He's going through Samaria. He's doing the bare necessities. But the last thing you would do is associate as a Jew with a Samaritan. Because way back in the day, you had the Jewish kingdom, the Israelites, together. They split north and south. 
and the north was, the Syrians moved in on the north, and you had intermarriage and kind of intercultural things happening. And so the, the Jews of the south begin to look at the, the once were Jews in the north as they, were, they became Samaritans, but they looked at them with disdain, they looked at them as impure, and they looked at them as second rate. Think of the, the way that the, the enmity and the feud between an African-American and a white man in the United States or South Africa. You think of the class division in England in its day. In China, uh, the difference between the, the mainland and Hong Kong or, or Japan and China. That they, we, we have these feuds today, and it would have been something similar to that, if not more. <clears throat> And so talking to uh, Jesus as a Jew, talking to a woman of Samaria is an absolute no-no, if there ever was one. That's why the woman can't get over it. You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? This woman is on the bottom of bottom. She's a Samaritan, one strike. She's a Samaritan woman, two strikes. And she's an outcast, strike three. She wouldn't, she's at this well in the middle of the day. That's not normal. We see later on in the passage that she's had five husbands and the guy that she's with is not her husband. She's a moral outcast in her own people. She's the untouchable. She's the unlovable. She's disgusting to a Jew, but not to Jesus. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It's incredible. If you knew, Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the salvation that comes from God, the life that comes from God, the Holy Spirit of God, and the one who it is that asks you for a drink, if you knew who I was, I'm the giver of that, then you would have asked me and I would have given it to you. Despite your filthiness, despite being disgusting despite being an outcast, despite being a nothing. Jesus is the giver of life for us all, for me and for you. Christian, have you forgot that you were an outcast, that you were nothing, that you were nobody, and that Jesus Christ saved you, not because of you, but because of him? Jesus doesn't say, if you get it right, I would have given you that life. If you become good, I would give you that life. If you were a nice person, I would give you that life. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's before you, if you knew me, if you knew Jesus, if you knew I was the God of the universe and that I can give you this life, I would give it to you. It's because of him. It's because of who he is. That's why he gave us that life. Not because of us. Not because of our good works. Not because of our good deeds. Not because of our church attendance. But because we put our faith in him, the living God, the one who can give true life. Have you forgotten that? And if you're not a Christian and you're here today, do you understand that to be the Christian message? That it has absolutely nothing to do with your moral abilities, your position in society, your performance at work, your performance as an individual in general, has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with who Jesus is. Verses 11 through 14, we see that Jesus is the giver of life beyond this world. We see in 11 that the woman doesn't get it at all. Jesus has made this great claim of, of, 
of who he is and, and what he offers, and the woman only sees the, the physical. She only sees in the temporal. She says, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? All she sees Jesus as is a Jew right now. She's looking at him empty-handed. Jesus has made this incredible, incredible offer of living water. What she wants and what she needs at this moment, or she thinks she needs at this moment. And she looks at Jesus and says, how can you, where, like, what do you have? What do you have to offer? You don't have anything to draw from this well. It's funny because the woman actually has what she needs to draw from the well to get the temporal fix. But Jesus has what the woman needs to get the eternal fix. And so she says, are you, the, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Saying, look, you've got nothing in your hand. How are you going to get this? Like Jacob, Jacob built this and provided for his family, provided for this community, brought life to this community. Are you greater than him? And if we know anything about Jacob, Jacob was in the Old Testament. We see about him, we can read about him in Genesis, that you've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then from Jacob comes the 12 sons of, of um, the 12 tribes of Israel. And within those 12 tribes of Israel, we see the tribe of Judah. And from the tribe of Judah comes Jesus Christ. And so this is actually, Jacob is actually a very significant person. The, the, the line of the Messiah, the line of the Savior of the world came from him. And in a, in a simple, temporary way, he, he provided. But Jesus, Jesus answers, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus says, yeah, I am greater than Jacob. What Jacob had to provide was temporal. What I have to provide is eternal. What you get from this well will last a moment. What I give you will last forever. I will give them, what I will give them will become in them a spring welling up to eternal life. What Jesus has to offer to us today is eternal life. What Jesus has to give us is more satisfying than we could ever imagine, ever imagine. As Christians, are we, are we like this, this woman? Are we drinking? Are we stuck on the well of Jacob when we should be stuck on Jesus Christ? Are we, are we trying to drink from our relationships? Are we trying to drink from our families? Are we trying to drink from our work? Are we trying to drink from a hopeful circumstance that might, may or may not happen? If you're not a Christian here today, do you realize that what you're trying to find life in is shortcoming and can't provide what you think it actually can? Because it's funny, because Christians and non-Christians, if, if you're not a Christian, we can all hope in the, in the same things, and we can all put our hope in the temporal things. But if you're not a Christian today, have you, have you come to see that Jesus is the one that gives true life? Because if you're not a Christian, you're this cup. Some of us, I just thought about this before, so this might be really bad, but... Some of us are Christians, but we're there. 
Christ is in us, but it's not stagnant. It's not good. This will just be a drinking cup. Um, some of us are exactly what Jesus said he'd give to us. Our faith is strong. We're accepting him, and we're overflowing. And well, Didn't think it through very well. So who are you? Are you the empty cup? Are you the stale Christian? Are you the Christian that's overflowing with what Christ has to offer, the life that he has to give us that is eternal, that is forever? I by no means don't have, I don't have this right at all. I find myself in the middle, but I feel like this half the time. But the nice thing is that our Savior is loving and he's forgiving. And even as Christians, when we mess up, the one thing we need to do is come back to him, not run from him, not hide from him, but come to him. If you're not a Christian, the one thing you need to do is to come to him and receive life. If we are Christians, we need to come to him and have our lives revived. And if you are that last cup, share the wealth. Now, help us, help us that struggle and continue doing what you're doing and being a great blessing to the people of this world. Lastly, in, in verses uh, 15 through 26, we see that Jesus is the giver of life, the savior of the world. So the woman still doesn't get it. She's still confused. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Still focus on her circumstances. She wants this water from Jesus, not to have eternal life, not to have satisfaction beyond what this world has to offer. But she wants it so she doesn't have to keep coming back to the well. She wants it so her life can be convenient. And Jesus, realizing that she's not seeing him, turns up the heat a bit. <clears throat> he told her, go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man you are now with, and the man that you now have, is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Ouch. <clears throat> it makes me think of when Tiffany asked me to do the dishes, and I only do half of them. I only do the dish, the bowls and the plates, and I leave the cutlery in the pans. And walk in the next room, and she says, "Did you do the dishes?" Yeah, I did the dishes. But in that moment. <laughs> She can't see that I really didn't do the dishes. And I can only imagine this woman saying, no, yeah, I have no husband. But in this moment, Jesus is no mere man. He sees right through it. He goes, well, yeah, actually, you are right. But you've got a whole lot more baggage than what you're proclaiming to have. And what I love in this moment is that the woman doesn't even get down on herself she begins to start to see Jesus as for who he really is. She takes, one more, she takes one step in the right direction. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So she sees that Jesus is more than just a Jew now. She's moved on. She sees something more to him, something something that makes her move to the religious realm of things. The Samaritans were not accepted by the Jews as we, as I was, we looked at earlier, as I was talking about earlier. And um, so they, they set up camp at a, at a mountain, Mount Gerizim. 
And with the Sumerians, they only accepted the first five books of the Bible. You had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was their, their Bible. They just took the Pentateuch and they went on this mountain and basically kind of created their own Jewish-ish religion. And so the woman brings this up. She's like, we've worshipped here, but you Jews say that we must worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus replies, believe me, a time is coming when, we, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Saying, actually, it doesn't even, there's a time coming that it, it doesn't even matter anymore. You Samaritans worship what you do not, do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation comes from the Jew. But then he does straighten the, the age-old argument out. Actually, the Jews are right. We are right. We're worshiping what we know. You Samaritans, it's not true worship. But Jesus continues to give her even better news. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus goes on to proclaim the new way of God that's coming forward, the new way of God that he's bringing forward, that he's brought right before her in that moment. He's saying it's no longer going to be on a mountain. It's no longer going to be in a temple. It's going to be through the life of God that I provide for you in spirit and in truth. And the woman, she knows this is high and and lofty stuff because she can't grasp it. But she does exercise great faith. She said, the, the woman says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And so the, Messiah, the, the Samaritans had the expectation of this, this, wow, this Messiah that would come, just like the Jews, but they saw it quite a bit differently. Some of the things that I read said the Samaritans saw the Messiah coming more as a teacher. So it could, it, it could be why she has so much faith in, in the Messiah explaining everything out. But she had faith that the Messiah was going to reconcile everything, make it all right. And when she expresses this faith, Jesus says, we see, then Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you, I am he. Yahweh, the God of your fathers, right in front of you, in the flesh, it's me. And the woman finally gets it. She finally gets who Jesus is. She finally gets that he is indeed the Messiah the one who will set everything right, the one who will make worship to the Father proper. As we see in verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? The woman puts down the jar of water, the temporary provision for life, because she's got the eternal life now, because she's seen the Messiah. She's accepted the Messiah. She's, it says here, could this be the Messiah? Like she wasn't sure. But yet we read in verse um, 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So here when she's asking this question, it's not that she's confused. She gets it. She's excited. She understands that Jesus is the one. And she wants the others to know. And they actually do come to believe in it, believe in Jesus as the Messiah because of her. She finally saw him for who he was, the savior of the world. Jesus is the giver of life, the savior of the world. Is that true for you today as a Christian? 
in the sense that you still accept that today, in the sense that you accept that every waking moment of your life. I find it very easy as a Christian to accept Jesus when, accept Jesus when I was 17 in a crisis moment where life was just not fun. But I find it very difficult to wake up every day when my circumstances aren't all that bad and to still say, Jesus Christ is Lord. But he is. The Samaritan woman got it. Do you get it? Do I get it? Not so that we may receive life for the first time, but so that we may walk in life abundant, so that, may we, that we may be truly satisfied and truly fulfilled in this world because our hope is in him and our satisfaction is in the spirit of God and we're looking to what's coming after this world, not the things that are in this world. If you're not a Christian today, do you see Jesus for who he truly is? He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He died for you. He rose again for you so that you could have the righteousness of God, so that you could have the life of God through faith. And that's the gospel, and that's the good news for the non-Christian and for the Christian. So as Christians today, are we walking, believing in the gospel? Are we holding on to the gospel? It's our satisfaction in Christ because we believe that he died and rose for us. And that's where our satisfaction is found. Not in the things that we may gain in this world through money, through family, through right circumstances. And if you're not a Christian today, would you see that what you're trusting in is not enough? That you actually don't have life. You're actually not really living if you don't have the life of Christ in you. I wasn't going to do this, but I think we've got a bit of time. Um... As Christians, notice, notice, the, notice the disciples in, in um, verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And also when we see when, when the, the disciples talk to the woman, when they come back, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, and why are you talking with her? You see that the disciples were still stuck in their old ways. They hadn't bought into Jesus Christ. They hadn't bought into his system. They hadn't bought into what he was about. They hadn't bought into the Father's business. As Christians, have we bought into what the Father is about? Have we bought into the salvation plan of Jesus Christ for all of humanity? Or do we see it too narrow? Do we see it too self-focused, too self-centered, too church-centered? And today, if you're not a Christian, would you be like the Samaritans? Who they heard the testimony of this woman and they believed off his testimony. If you're not a Christian and if you've been spending time with Christians, would you believe, do you trust them? Do you believe the testimony that they're telling you? Not, not do you believe in them, but would, do you believe in the Messiah that they're telling you about? And would you let that stir you to spend more time trying to discern and discover who he really is? Because it was the faith that, that they got, the Samaritans got from that woman that drew them to want to spend time with Jesus. 
And in verse 42, after they had spent time with Jesus, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So if you're not a Christian today, would you continue to spend time in the Word? Would you continue to read the Bible and ask questions and dig deep? Because in it, if you're truly seeking and you're truly searching, Jesus Christ will show himself to you, and you will come to see that he's the Savior of the world. Jesus is the giver of life. The only one that can truly satisfy you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for the life that comes from him. I pray that we would all feast on it. I pray that we would, it would be our everything. That would be what we hold on to in all situations, in all circumstances. Father, thank you for your grace and your glory. Thank you that we don't have to get it right because Jesus Christ got it right. And I pray that we would trust in that and hope in that, all of us, Christians and people who don't believe this message. Because it is the hope of the world. It's the hope for all humanity. And I pray that we would see that. We would believe it for our lives and we would believe it for the lives of all of the people in the world and that it would move us to live more faithfully and share more boldly. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for downloading this podcast from Grace Church Manchester. To listen to more or to get involved with church life, visit www.gracechurchmanchester.net.